Welcome to Running on Ice, the coolest community in freight. I'm your host, Mary O'Connell, bringing you the latest tech updates, warehouse news, and everything happening in the cold chain world. Not only is there the coolest show in freight, but there is the Running on Ice newsletter that could not be colder. You can subscribe to that on freightwaves.com slash running on ice. Before we get into our guest interview, there are some headlines you should check out. According to a report by Vantage Market Research, the global cold chain packaging market size was valued at $19.7 billion in 2021, and that is projected to reach a value of $34.7 billion by 2028 at a compound annual growth rate of 9.9% from 2022 to 2028. The cold chain packaging market refers to the industry that produces packaging materials and equipment that are designed to maintain the temperature of temperature-sensitive products during storage and transportation. These products include pharmaceuticals, vaccines, biologics, food and beverages, chemicals, and etc. The key drivers of the cold chain packaging market include the increasing demand for temperature-controlled storage and transportation solutions, the growth of pharmaceutical and biologic industries, and the expansion of the food and beverage industry. Wabash, one of the top trailer manufacturers, will be showing off their new lightweight trailers at Work Truck Week in Indianapolis. These new trailers are designed to be both durable and lightweight to aid in reducing carbon emissions. Wabash will also be debuting some of their other approaches to helping fleets reduce carbon emissions via hybrid stepping stone technologies. The two reefer trailers on display are the AccuTherm refrigerated freight body with Econex technology, and the AccuTherm refrigerated delivery body with Econex technology. You don't have to go to Red Lobster anymore to get those delicious Cheddar Bay biscuits. They are coming to the freezer aisle along with all of their friends. Red Lobster has launched a line of frozen seafood products. The new eatery, the new entrees inspired by Red Lobster fan favorite menu items include Cheddar Bay biscuit shrimp, coconut shrimp bites, Cheddar Bay biscuit cod, and Parmesan crusted garlic and herb stuffed shrimp. As the global frozen food market continues to heat up, this will not be the last restaurant we see jumping into the space. Today we are joined by Sam Anderson, CEO of Bay and Bay Transportation. Welcome to the show, Sam. Hi, good morning. How are you? I am good. I'm excited to kind of dive into everything today because we're going to kind of get a different perspective on things from the carrier side, which, um, you know, I'm excited about. This is something we haven't really done much on the show. But before we jump into that, can I just get a, why don't you just give us a brief rundown of your background and kind of how you got started at Bay and Bay? Sure. Well, I got started uh, in at Bay and Bay uh, back in uh, the early 80s. My parents started a repair business. Uh, and then they eventually uh, bought Bay and Bay from the original founders. Uh, Bay and Bay's been around since 1941. Uh, my parents took over Bay and Bay in 1988, and at that time uh, we had about 10 drivers, and we were in the uh, non-food uh, grade pneumatic tank trucking business. Yeah, it was just a local business. Uh, a number of the customers we still have today, uh, Cargill being one of them. Uh, we used to haul salt, canning salt down to the Green Giant plant uh, in southwestern Minnesota. And uh, it just um, was a great way to, to learn about um, how commerce works and how trucking plays a part in the supply chain uh, way back when. And, uh, and it's still very much the same today, just uh, a little bit more technology. And obviously, uh, uh, the engines and the equipment we have uh, have advanced a lot more. 
uh, I, feel, I feel like that's gotta be like a really cool perspective you've seen of going everywhere from like like the 80s all the way to now and just how much technology has changed and just kind of how much the trucking industry itself has changed and developed and grown i like to think for the good yeah it has you know the uh what i would say is is uh technology uh for technology's sake uh is usually good uh but there are times where we've invested in technology that uh it, it actually has not been good or it's caused uh, some unintended consequences that ultimately lead to us maybe unplugging that technology. So uh, we definitely like to, to um, look into the various technologies to help us either better serve our customers, you know, through communication uh, or better serve our drivers, whether that be uh, better communication to them or ways to get them uh, home more frequently or to get them on the types of runs that fit their lifestyle. So um, all kinds of different uh, texts that uh, allow us to really manage information. I like it. You just kind of embrace the technology and understand when it works for you and when it doesn't. I think knowing that part of when it doesn't work is kind of the most and crucial. Um, but moving slightly away from technology, over the past few years, um, we all know the freight market has been Volatile, I think, would probably be an understatement. Um, but from that carrier perspective, what has been some of the hardest swings to handle in those market shifts? Whether it's, you know, going from crazy high spot rates down to almost spot rates that aren't profitable, to volumes dropping off, to you name it. What has been some of those hardest hits to take? Well, certainly the pandemic, I think, was difficult for just about everyone. Uh, we all lived through a very tough time there with the uh, the you know, various elements of that pandemic. Uh, from a business perspective, uh, we were faced, uh, like most trucking companies, to, to make some uh, important decisions uh, rather swiftly. Uh, so within the first month or month and a half of the pandemic, you know, really starting to uh, get traction and spread across the world, uh, we started looking at uh, different financial pro formas to help us understand what might take place in our business. Uh, we forecasted revenues dropping uh, on our logistics side by 50%. And uh, we figured maybe our on our trucking side, things might drop by 20 or 25%. Uh, the good thing for us is on the trucking side, where we have a lot of equipment and you know we have debt. Uh, it's a capital intensive part of the industry uh, in trucking. So um, that's a fixed cost. It's hard to just get rid of it. Uh, and usually when you need to get rid of it, like the Great Recession or like in a pandemic, um, there's no buyers because uh, everybody's trying to get rid of it. So uh, what we looked at is, is we just wanted to uh, really shore up our expenses. Uh, we actually uh, shrunk the business for a little bit, you know, for about three months, uh, just really through um, payroll and attrition, you know, in payroll. Uh, and the good news was um, our both of our businesses were not impacted as negatively as we had predicted. So that was good. Uh, and we actually, uh, in about the third or fourth month, uh, you know, which would have put us, you know, somewhere around May or June of that year, uh, we actually um, had enough demand from our customers on the refrigerated trucking side. Uh, we actually added uh, another 75 trucks. Uh, within about a four or five month period. Uh, and at the same time, we also added uh, more trailers, more refrigerated trailers. So uh, while a lot of people were shrinking, you know, in the dry van world, uh, you, you know, that, that those volumes went way down. 
know, people were not um, buying furniture and uh, spending a lot of money on, on, you know, household items there for probably that first four, five, six months. Um, and so the dry van business went way down. And uh, thankfully, that was one of the reasons why back in 2014, we made a shift out of the dry van business on our trucking side uh, to the refrigerated market. And now today, uh, we're one of the 10 largest refrigerated trucking companies in, in the U.S. That was quite a crystal ball you had in 2014 to uh, jump into the refrigerated trucking market. Well, it uh, it came through a very uh, planned exercise. Uh, we had uh, uh, and still have an advisory board uh, where we meet quarterly and they advise us on where we're headed and uh, listening to some of our uh, predictions and forecasts, um, both short-term and long-term. And back then, uh, we had never really done any formalized strategic planning, and they encouraged us to go out and do some of that uh, formalized strategic planning. And so uh, we hired a an outside facilitator to help us go through that. And over the course of about three days, uh, and there were two half days of homework sessions prior to the meetings, uh, we, we came up uh, with our formalized strategic plan, uh, and really uh, in late 2014, early 2015, we started executing on that plan. Uh, and at that time, we had over 500 drivers, uh, and uh, about 400 of those drivers were really in the dry van space. So we started uh, selling dry vans. Uh, we sold about 650 dry vans in about 18 months. And we purchased uh, over 350 brand new reefer trailers in about the same period. So it was uh, there was a lot going on. Looking back on it, uh, it financially, it was a very difficult time for the company. Uh, and uh, later on, our advisors had said that it was kind of like we tried to turn around a, an aircraft carrier in a bathtub. So. Um, we learned a lot. It was uh, probably the most difficult time in my professional career. We had to make a lot of tough decisions, uh, but uh, we got through it. it. It made us stronger as a company and stronger as a management team and uh, proud to, to be where we are today with uh, the great customer base that we have and uh, definitely more recession proof. I think that that kind of a trip, like you guys really kind of that step back to turn an aircraft carrier in a bathtub. Um, I think that was kind of, you know, clearly it was needed and you, right, you turned that aircraft carrier around. You guys showed that you can do it in a bathtub, but maybe don't do it in a bathtub. Yes. I don't, I don't recommend it to anyone. (laughs) Maybe pick like a field or something. There you go. Um, but that being said, you guys did mention, you mentioned that like, you know, you had some equipment stuff. Well, you know, up until a couple months ago, the beginning of this year, the end of last year, used even used truck prices as well as new truck prices. I mean, you could grow a human faster than you could make a truck at some point in time during the pandemic. Um, and so kind of how did you guys, cause obviously you have equipment that needs to be switched out. And when you're trying to manage expenses and everything like that, now that truck prices are down, it's not like you can turn around and go back to those manufacturers or where you bought the used truck from and say, Hey, um, can we just like lower, lower that little note that we have about the truck? Um, I mean, I, you can't do it with a car, so you know, you can't do it with a truck. Um, kind of how do shippers now, especially now that spot rates and some of those contract rates are extremely low and some spot rates, in certain markets aren't even, you know, really a break-even point. How do carriers kind of balance that, like, uh, that 
desire, that ability to keep up with the market, but also still cover their expenses that they might have had to do for um, really expensive trucks previously? Well, there's a, there's a few uh, important points there. I, I think one thing that we always try to share with our customer base is, you know, really uh, the shipping community uh, is responsible for the capacity that is available in the market. And so the way that they, one way that they control that is by raising and lowering rates. And so what we find is, is that oftentimes shippers um, don't think about that responsibility. And they're really just, you know, some shippers are just running their, their business through spreadsheets uh, and, and just really, you know, not strategic about, you know, the partnerships that they make. And so they're, they're really trying to always maybe beat the market by, you know, having rates that are somehow lower than what the market is. And so when the market goes low, um, there's many shippers that take advantage of that. Uh, and, and I'm not suggesting shippers shouldn't be diligent and they shouldn't be responsible for the costs that they have in their business. Uh, all I would suggest is, is that when you squeeze and you lower rates to a point that are below uh, what allows a carrier to make enough profit to reinvest in their business and essentially reinvest in the relationship. You know, it's, being able to have good, safe equipment going up and down the road is, is important. And there's a certain percentage of the, the carrier market that doesn't run safe equipment. And oftentimes those are the carriers that some brokers are using in the market uh, to move this rate because they can move it at much cheaper rates because those carriers don't have the same costs as, you know, good, well-run trucking companies do that invest in the safe equipment and invest in the technologies like in-cab cameras uh, that allow us to help our drivers, you know, see different ways to avoid accidents and those kinds of things. So um, I just always encourage our shippers to, you know, really think twice when they're building their strategies out uh, to, to have a sustainable supply chain that they want to partner with companies that really do invest in those safety strategies and those safety technologies and those safety practices uh, because uh, we all owe it, owe it to the motoring public to try to have the safest highways possible. The, I think that makes them a good point because there's a lot of people I know that they won't drive next to a semi truck because they think it's dangerous or they're scared because it's so big and scary. And I'm like, look, they're really not like, yes, obviously there's a lot of weight and they are, you know, something to be considered on the road. But as long as you are driving fine and not cutting people off, not driving erratically, not getting in the semi truck's way, you'll be fine. And it's really not something that you need to worry about. Of course, unless that driver's driving recklessly, in which case I highly encourage you as you see them to either call that company or, you know, just call the non-emergent like line, depending on how well they're doing it. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've literally just called the number on the back of the trailer and been like, Hey, this trailer number, whatever drivers attached to it, they are not driving safely. Please have that conversation with them. Um, and they were, they're able just to be like, Oh, we see it. We'll take care of it. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it. Just, but like, it, you gotta be driving real reckless for me to get you to call because sometimes I understand that, you know, passenger cars cut people off and cause a chain reaction. Um, but if you're driving all over the road, I'm probably going to call you. I'm probably going to call your company on you. Yeah. The, uh, you know, one of the statistics out there is somewhere between 80 and 85% of all uh, accidents on our highways are, are actually caused by passenger cars. 
So I, I will say that our industry as a whole, the trucking industry is very safe. Uh, but certainly there are, again, um, if we have a lot of, most of our trucking industries, uh, companies started with one driver who bought a truck and got into business for themselves. It's kind of the American dream, right? Um, and they, um, they add a truck and then add two or three more trucks and pretty soon they get up to five or 10 trucks. Uh, and those, those, um, founders of those businesses, um, are truck drivers. And I think it's so exciting that uh, in America we can still, you know, have, you know, people every day starting their businesses, uh, living the American dream. Uh, I think there are things that we can do as an industry to try to educate those uh, business founders and those entrepreneurs on on what's really important uh, in how you uh, operate your business to be best in class, to, to have great safety practices, to have really good maintenance practices so that. You know, we don't need wheels coming off trailers and, you know, hitting cars or hitting things and, you know, destroying, you know, people's property and things. Oh, absolutely. That's not something that anyone would want, even from a business owner perspective or someone driving on the road. Um, you kind of touched on this earlier, and I kind of want to circle back to it when you said that shippers are um, building, like they need to take things into consideration when they're building their networks out, kind of coming up with their strategic plan to be resilient and have a sustainable supply chain. What are some of those main things that shippers are looking for with their refrigerated carriers? Like obviously the standard of pick up on time, deliver on time, keep something the same temperature. But what are some of those other things that, you know, they might be looking for when it comes to a reefer carrier or just that service level that they're, they're looking for? When I think about uh, how we work with uh, the various customers we have in the shipping community, we always talk about um, their business needs first. You know, what are the things that are most important to them? In the refrigerated marketplace, um, the shippers usually their products are perishable. And so there's definitely an increased uh, heightened awareness of on-time service uh, and the importance of uh, getting that product from point A to point B in a very timely fashion, uh, much more so than, you know, things that are non-perishable. So that, that's, that's one important thing. Uh, I think one thing that obviously makes our niche in trucking unique is that our trailers have refrigerated units. Um, the downside of that is that those trailers cost twice as much as a, a dry van trailer. And so uh, oftentimes we have shippers that want to use our trailers uh, as warehouses, you know, for various regions, reasons. It might be a cyclical thing. Uh, it might be a spike in a certain product demand, you know, let's say around a holiday, whether that be, you know, candy for Valentine's or, or Easter or Halloween, uh, or maybe it's, you know, pizzas and wings around the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, we, we have to make sure that when we provide those assets that, you know, we're charging accordingly. Uh, and, you know, oftentimes um, we have to... Um, you know, give rates in a per mile uh, rate. Uh, and oftentimes uh, in just charging per mile rates, we don't cover that extra charge for our trailers uh, being positioned on, uh, you know, different lots for, for our, you know, sh shippers. So, um, so that's a real important thing to really talk through with our customers. It's just um, how many trailers are they going to need spotted uh, in their yards? 
and to make sure they understand how costly those trailers are on a, on a per week and a per month basis so that we fully recover uh, our cost um, of those trailers. Just kind of really setting those expectations and getting them kind of make sure, or I guess when a shipper goes to approach a new carrier that uh, for refrigerated needs, just really know those expectations and do your, just have a realistic picture because you, you're always going to have those shippers that are, um, oh no, it's just a couple, it's just a couple loads. We might need to just hang on for a trailer for a day or two. Um, but then like a month later, they still have your trailer. Um, so I think some of those like self-reflection and really truly understanding what your needs are versus just like, oh, just a couple days. This never happens. Um, I think that's a good starting point. Well, and you know, our, our good core customers all understand the commitment that we have and that we've made to them. And they're all uh, pretty reasonable. Uh, I think, you know, what we see from time to time is when we get into a market like we're in today, uh, we have these longstanding relationships and we understand the the flow of their business throughout the year and through those cycles. And we understand the extra costs and the extra equipment throughout the year that they're going to need to make sure that they deliver uh, on the promise that they make to their customers. Uh, unfortunately, what happens sometimes is the procurement people and the operations people at these shippers, um, they have a commitment to us, but they get pressure from the people above them, uh, oftentimes, you know, people in, you know, C-level positions where they're just reading headlines, uh, and they're just hearing things like, oh, rates are going down in general, uh, where, you know, if, if they don't do their homework and they don't investigate further, they're going to be misled and they're going to, you know, push their managers to drive costs down, sometimes in places where the prices aren't going down. You know, like in our trucking business, for example, none of our costs are going down. All of our costs are going up. In fact, we in the last two years grew for our customers at a rate that was probably a 15% premium uh, outside of other normal markets pre-pandemic. So we took on extra costs that we won't be able to fully pass on over the next three or four years until we get into a new cycle of equipment. And thankfully, um, our really good customers acknowledge that and have supported us and gotten behind us. But um, we still, you know, we've got, you know, some of the, the mid-tier and the lower-tier customers that they just don't get it. And, and they get the pressure from up top. Uh, and, and sometimes they, you know, they, they understand that it's, yes, you do have these higher costs, but we're hearing from certain service providers that they can provide lower costs. And with our company, the fact that we have a logistics arm that's actually bigger in terms of revenue, in terms of total load count, we're moving more loads per day, per week, per month through our logistics. And in that environment, there are places where we can go find lower costs for our customers. So it's kind of a one-two combo that we give to our customers and and offer those things up to say, hey, we can go to market today if you want to if you want to be in the spot kind of market, certainly we can drive some costs down, but just realize that when the market turns and we don't know exactly when the market's going to turn uh, in the last four years, the, the market has really kind of been around an 18, you know, 15 to 18 month cycle. 
So if the market, and we're kind of nearing that 18 month uh, point right now. So at some point in the next four or five or six months, it's likely that at least in the refrigerated side, we're going to see the market tighten again. And if we're in the spot rate, in the spot market, what's going to happen is, is you're taking advantage of low cost today with our logistics. In six months from now, we might be paying more than if you just bought, you know, dedicated services on our trucking side or, you know, one-way services on our trucking side. Yeah, it just kind of all comes back to that those relationships that you create are absolutely crucial and fundamental. We are almost out of time, though, and everyone that comes on the show has to answer this one question. It's my favorite spicy question to ask. Um, Are you ready for it? Yes. Is cereal a soup? I would say no. Okay, that's fair. I'm also team no, but... Yeah, the... uh... What I think is interesting is, is, you know, initially, and I talked with my, my family about this, and I got a, a variety of different answers. Um, in, in fact, initially, my, my older son said, well, soup isn't cold. And I said, well, gazpacho is cold. I mean, you know, so yeah. I, I think that, that that doesn't count as a reason not for it to be soup. Exactly. There's 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 uh, arguments to be made on both sides. But if someone wants to make these arguments with you or reach out about anything with cold uh, with being a carrier for refrigerated transportation, where can they find you outside the show? You can reach me uh, at uh, Sam dot Anderson at Bay and Bay dot com. Awesome. I love it. You guys heard it here first. Thank you guys so much. or Thank you, Sam, for being on the show today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You can catch other episodes of Running on Ice right here on FreightWaves TV, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Need more Running on Ice news? No worries. Subscribe to the newsletter on FreightWaves.com slash Running on Ice. See you on the internet.